in Psalm 112 in our Bible study. Start with our summary statement. Psalm 112 praises the Lord. For the blessings to all who fear him. And go over that again. Psalm 112 praises the Lord for the blessings to all who fear him. Um, outline is a little odd for this one, but um, two parts, verses 1 to 9, the blessed who fear the Lord, and then verse 10, the wicked who perish. Let me go over that one more time. Verses 1 to 9, the blessed who fear the Lord. In verse 10, the wicked who perish. All right, so we'll go to our observations here for this psalm. Psalm 112 is what we call an anonymous psalm. There's no uh, superscription that identifies an author. There's no author attribution anywhere else in the Bible, and um, even even some of the traditional views um, don't really favor um, any particular author. Uh, no musical direction given in this psalm. Uh, there's no occasion that is given in the psalm, uh, but the psalm itself, again, envisions a future scene, and this one where... Um, the righteous have triumphed over the wicked. To categorize this psalm, um, it is a praise psalm. It is particularly a hallelujah psalm. You see that, praise ye the Lord, at the beginning of the psalm. It is a hallelujah psalm. Um, some minor elements of the psalm would be some wisdom elements. So you have the pronounced blessing in verse 1. You have references to judgment or justice and giving to the poor in verse 5. You have a contrast that is presented with the wicked um, there by verse 10. And so you have some, uh, have some wisdom elements in the psalm. Um, and I would also consider this psalm prophetic predictive. Uh, you can see there's a number of shalls and wills um, in the psalm, mention of enduring forever, things being everlasting, uh, and again, describing a, a time that has not yet um, been, so it is uh, a future rather than historic time. So Psalm 112 is the second psalm of the Hallelujah group of psalms in the early part of Book 5, so that's Psalms 111 through 117. Um, psalm 110, which comes just prior to that, 
envisioned the second coming of Christ. It envisioned the coming of David's Lord from the right hand of God to the earth in Zion to reign among and over the nations of the earth. And then Psalm 111 kicks off this group of hallelujah psalms that are um, psalms that are celebrating um, the, uh, you know, the coming of the Messiah, his, his um, conquering, uh, his reigning, his ruling. And so Psalm um, 111 uh, kicks that off, sorry. And Psalm 112 then continues this celebration. And in particular, there's a celebration of the blessedness of the one who fears the Lord um, that, and is like David's Lord. And we'll see some of that more as we go on. This psalm is closely connected with Psalm 111. Um, obviously, the hallelujah being um, one obvious connection. Um, there's reference to the fearing of the Lord. So at the end of, of Psalm 111, you had reference to the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. Um, here in, in Psalm 112, you have references to the fear of the Lord. It starts that way. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Um, you have references to enduring righteousness. Here in verses 3 and 9, in verse 3 in Psalm 111, um, you have references to gracious and merciful. Um, it's uh, in, in verse 4 here and in verse 4 in the previous psalm. You also have allusions to the Abrahamic covenant. So uh, here in verse 2 and in that psalm in verse number 6. Um, and beyond that, it does share some connections with Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. Uh, probably more Psalm 1, um, but still yet has connections with those psalm. If you think about Psalm 1 and the blessed man, he delights in the law of the Lord and, and all of those things. And then you have the contrast with the, the wicked and so on. And so this psalm um, has a lot of similarity uh, with Psalm number 1. Now, the poetic features of this psalm, um, one of those would be imagery that is used. So you have reference to the dawning light or the rising light, and that's uh, an image of hope. You have reference to the gnashing of teeth, and that's an image of despair. Uh, you have a reference to melting away, which oftentimes is joined with a word for wax, like the wax of a candle that, that is melted. Um, so you do have some imagery in the psalm. Uh, the primary feature of it is going to be the structure once again because it, this psalm is just like Psalm 111. Um, it is an acrostic, so after the opening hallelujah, each line of the psalm begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet working um, all the way from Aleph to Tav, um, covering the 22 consonants of the Hebrew alphabet. All right, so we'll work our way through this psalm. There's 10 verses, so I'll go ahead and read these. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. 
His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. So verse 1 gives us the opening, hallelujah, the call to praise ye the Lord. Um, We have the reference to the fear uh, of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as we saw at the end of the previous psalm. So that's echoing from the end of that psalm before it. Um, And then we get, obviously, here in verse 1, we get a lot of that similarity to Psalm 1, uh, the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his um, commandments. And you'll have a number of of echoes. That word for delight is also used in Psalm 111. And so as you go through, there's several words like that um, that appear in in both psalms. As you get to verses 2 to 4, you begin uh, this enumeration of the blessings of those who fear the Lord. And it might be easy if you just um, singled out a verse to think that that these are descriptions that are being given actually of the Lord himself, but um, it is actually of that blessed man um, that is referred to and that is consistent throughout the psalm. So the blessings for um, those who fear the Lord, and in verse 2, we get this allusion to the Abrahamic covenant. So you, you've got his seed being mighty, uh, being great upon the earth, and the generation of the upright shall be blessed. In other words, it uh, seems to be a blessing to and through this um, seed, this one uh, that fears the Lord. So if you think back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, after that, Abraham was tested um, there with Isaac in Genesis 22, 18. The Lord said to Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice." So one of the features that we see of the Abrahamic covenant is that Abraham and his seed were chosen by God um, to be made great, to be made mighty, um, to be blessed, to a great nation um, to, be, to be made out of. But that's not just an end. God has actually chosen Abraham and this seed nation from Abraham to also be a means through which God's blessings will flow out to the, all the families, all the nations of the earth. So it's sort of like an idea of, of blessings that are sort of channeled through or maybe blessings that are like a, that are like a flowing stream. And so um, Abraham and his seed nation um, are going to, to be blessed and then in turn will be a blessing to others and be a means of that. So this blessing to the descendants that is mentioned here signals this fruitfulness and the fact that this blessing has come from God. Um, The blessed man is also described as having wealth, having riches in his house. In other words, he's, he's described in terms of being prosperous and also that his righteousness, this blessed man, um, his righteousness, um, will be, it says, endureth forevermore. And this echoes from, um, Psalm 111 and verse number 3, speaking about the Lord and his righteousness enduring forever. 
So, though, so that when you look at, especially when you look at these psalms together, you see a certain mirroring that happens between Psalm 112 and Psalm 111. So Psalm 111 is, is, praising, is praising the Lord and praising him, obviously, for the, for the coming of his, of his king there in, in, in Psalm 110. And we get various descriptions. And then in Psalm 112, we get descriptions that are very similar pertaining to the one who fears the Lord. So the, the effect, you might say, especially when you read these psalms together, is that the one who fears the Lord, the one who um, fully trusts in the Lord, will be like him, will become like him, you might say. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on. Um, then we have this imagery of this rising light up on the upright. Um, so the rising light in the darkness, that's uh, imagery of the dawning of the, of the sun and it dispelling the darkness of night. Um, and it's, it's an imagery that's, that's conveying with it um, hope. And we, we, uh, have, we see that in the Bible. We, we see that um, used that way as well in other places. He's also, this blessed man um, is also referred to as gracious and compassionate, which was, again, ref- echoing from Psalm 111 and verse 4, a reflection of David's Lord. So those, those who fear him, those who trust in him, will be like him is, is the implication that we get, especially reading these psalms together. Verses 5 to 6 then describe him as a good man, good in, in, in the full um, sense of that term. And the word for favor that it says that he shows there is a word that is most often translated mercy when it, when it appears in the Old Testament. And it's a word that refers to bending down or, or stooping down. It's, it's a word that, that speaks of showing mercy or pity and, and um, some act of kindness. So uh, typically it would be uh, a word that would be describing the action of, of a superior to an inferior um, some act of, of condescension in that way. And the word for lending here, it does refer to giving to the poor, like it's used in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse number 17. Um, he, shows this, he shows this stooping favor, this bending kindness, and, and lends and gives is, is the, the, the implication. And guides his affairs with a discretion. And the word for discretion means judgment. It's a word that appears quite often in Proverbs, actually. Um, and the word refers to a verdict. So in other words, the idea is that of, of justice, being, being upright and being just in dealings and all of that sort of thing. And it says that he will not be moved, which refers to being fixed, being enduring, and there will be a remembrance of the righteous, and that is a contrast with the wicked being cut off. So, um, Early places like Psalm six and verse five and Psalm nine and verse six spoke about this cutting off of the wicked. More recently, Psalm one hundred and nine and verse number fifteen. So here again, we're getting a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. The, the righteous will be remembered. Um, will be remembered. There'll be a, a memorial of, but the wicked will be cut off and will be forgotten. Um, verses seven to nine show. Um, the blessed man as fearless and exalted. 
So his heart is fixed and he trusts in Yahweh. So he's not, um, so he's not like uh, the double-minded that we recently looked at in the book of James. It doesn't have divided loyalties or divided trusts or divided interests, but trust fully um, in Yahweh. And because of that, he fears no evil reports. So he, he, he's, not, he's not blown about by um, bad news, you might say. Um, he, he's, he's not, his faith is, is, is of sterner stuff than what is blown around with every change in the wind. This is, this is a, a person who fears the Lord, who trusts in him, who, who lives in that faith, is not brought to um, desperation or, or anything like that because of the, of the um, changes and, and the, the ill tidings and such around. And the one who trusts in the Lord, we see in verse number 8, he'll see his desire upon his enemies. In other words, he will see his enemies defeated. Now, that he will look on or that he will see his enemies defeated is a, is a statement of complete victory. Um, and it begins, uh, or, it, or it carries on this theme, actually, in the Psalms. So, um, this has, uh, shows up in Psalm 52, verses 6 and 7, Psalm 54 and verse 7, Psalm 59 and verse number 10. Uh, getting a little more recently, Psalm 98 and verse 1, Psalm 92 and verse 11. Even more uh, recently here in, in this verse, and then there's another reference to this um, in, in a few Psalms after this. So there's a, a theme that goes through the Psalms about those that will see the enemies defeated. And this is an echo, obviously, of the um, account of the Exodus when the people of Israel stood on the other side of the Red Sea um, and they saw the uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians drown in the midst of the sea and all of their um, weapons and all of those things washing up on the shore when they, they saw um, that sight. Um, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Uh, verse 30 in that chapter says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. So that, that is a, a, a theme um, of the, the righteous triumphing over the wicked, a, a total victory and seeing the defeat and downfall of enemies, which is another, uh, another reason we understand this to be a future, uh, future reference. Now, the character of the blessed man is such that he's generous. He disperses. He's given to the poor. Um, and as a result, we're told once again, his righteousness endures forever. And that's echoing that um, recurring theme in Psalm 111. And his horn shall be exalted, referring to the lifting up um, to the, to the ex- exalted place. So the, the righteous are characterized um, as the poor and, and oppressed in, in this life, in this present world. Um, they are the poor, they are the, the oppressed, they are the um, ones who, who are um, beset um, by the enemies raging against God and his anointed king. Um, but in that day, they will see the defeat of their enemies. They will experience that triumph, and they will be exalted. They will be exalted to that high place in the Messiah's kingdom, which will actually rule over the nations of 
the earth. And in verse 10 gives us that closing contrast. Um, The wicked, on the other hand, they're going to see the triumph and the exaltation of the righteous. So we're told just like in Psalm 1, they will not stand in the judgment, but they will be swept away like the chaff is with the wind. <laughs> their, um, and their hopes and trust will be undone. It says they're going to perish, uh, they're going to um, melt away, and their desire will perish. And ultimately, imagery of them being cut off from the earth. So the righteous will be remembered, and the wicked will ultimately be cut off from the earth. All right, so let's move on to our interpretation. Um, So Psalm 112 teaches the blessings of God flowing um, like a a river to and, and through those who fear him, those who trust in him. So on the one hand, this psalm shows how those who fear God become like him. In other words, not that, not that you know, we become gods or anything like that, but that, that we are conformed to his image, that, that we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, being, being made more and more like him, and, and ultimately to arrive, of course, at a state of glorification. So the, the blessed man, um, we're told according to this psalm then, he, he fears the Lord and trusts in the Lord fully. And he is a righteous man. He is a just man. He is upright and he is generous. And he's not double-minded and unstable um, like James referred to. Rather, we have... Um, terms that he's unafraid and he is stable. Um, he's fixed. He's established. He has stood upright. Now, one of the uh, ways that we also know that we've, you know, we're seeing reading this psalm correctly is that that's exactly how Paul uses this psalm in Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses eight to nine. So Paul wrote there, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, and here's where he quotes from this psalm, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now, if you're just reading through 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it'd be easy to read that verse um, number 9 there and think that he was talking about God. He was saying, well, God disperses and God um, gives and uh, his righteousness remaineth forever. But he's actually not. And it, when you read the whole context of Second Corinthians 9, it's, it's, it's clear that Paul is using this um, in the very same way that it is used here in Psalm 112. It's talking about those who, who fear the Lord and who trust in him and are therefore able to give generously. Now, Paul, in Second Corinthians 9, he was writing about the offering for the impoverished saints in Judea. And if, and if you remember, <clears throat> there was a terrible famine. Um, there was a, a terrible increase in persecution. 
Um, many of them scattered. There were some of those that stayed in, in Judea. And those that did were um, suffering in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so Paul had was taking up this offering among these different churches um, in these other regions and other parts of the world. Uh, and he was going to bring it back himself to well, with some others, to Jerusalem. Um, he, he accepted that um, office to do that. And so he, in 2 Corinthians, he's writing to the church at Corinth because they had promised to give a generous offering for those saints in Judea, but they began to drag their feet. Um, you know, they, they, were, they were very slow to fulfill. And so Paul mentions to them, he gives them example of the Macedonian churches that were obviously much less well-off um, economically than what the church at Corinth was, but who had given generously to the point that it, it seems like Paul just expresses surprise that they had given as, as much as they had um, given their situation. And so he's writing to the Corinthians and, and reminding them of what they had already committed to do and is, is exhorting them, you, you need to keep your word. And so he's talking in, in, the, in this context about, uh, about you know, generosity and, and all these sort of things. And, and he's saying God is, is able to make, to make all abound. God is able to, to give to you, and so therefore you, sh- you should give to others. And again, this is the same way um, that we see the reference in the psalm. So that's the, that's the reason or the way that Paul uses this verse. Now, the messianic hope of Psalm 112 is seen through the fulfillment of this vision that comes through the coming of David's Lord per the preceding Psalms. So, in other words, Psalm 112 is looking forward to the reward that's coming to those who trust in the Lord those who um, enter into his kingdom at his coming. And so we have um, references to this time in different places. So this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 to 29. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory... Ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. So one of the promises of that coming kingdom is that it will be a time of abundant blessing, uh, be a time of, of prosperity, a time of fruitful life and fruitful work and labor. Um, if we think about in the prophets, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 to 12, where he speaks about the death of the servant of, of Yahweh. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. 
By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So you have this reference to the seed being blessed through the death of um, the servant, and obviously through his resurrection as well because he receives this inheritance um, after that he has made his grave with the wicked earlier in, in Isaiah chapter 53. So again, this is looking forward to this, to this time when, um, the, the, as it tells us in the Psalms and as Jesus mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount, when the, when the meek shall inherit the earth. Now the allusion to the Abrahamic covenant and the context is we're reading these Psalms together and, and noticing where they're where they're placed would show then that that the regathered and restored Israel is primarily in view so if you think of of Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus says to those that's been gathered together on his right hand he says enter into the kingdom enter into the kingdom prepared um and 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 they enter into all of those blessings that are described um, obviously, within that kingdom, there will be those that will be living in mortal bodies. Um, the uh, you know life will be greatly extended during that time. Um, there will be industry, and there will be work, and there will be sowing and 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 reaping the the planting and the and the plowing and all of these kind of things. There there will be life going on that, in a lot of ways, will be like life right now, but in a lot of ways, it will not be like life right now because. Jesus Christ will be reigning from Zion with the rod of iron and perfect justice will prevail over the entire earth. Now, there will be those that have uh, been resurrected and are in glorified bodies that will be um, in, in this kingdom and, and, and living at, at that time. And, and I, you know, there's a lot of questions we could start asking about that that nobody has the answers to. But that is the time that's being described of that this... this um, seed, those that fear the Lord and trust in him that they are going to experience. And so when you think about that long exile um, of Israel, they're, they're going to turn. When, when he returns, they're going to turn and they're going to be converted. They're going to embrace their Messiah and they're going to inherit this kingdom um, that has been promised them uh, all the way back to their father, Abraham. All right, application. Um, I just stuck with one main application here. Understanding Psalm 112 helps us understand how to live in the present world, in the present life. So this psalm speaks directly to that future orientation of the present life. A lot of a lot of these. Um, sayings in this psalm a lot of these lines are are looking toward the future but they're they're there this psalm is written with the fact that this hasn't been realized yet it will be but it hasn't been realized yet so this psalm speaks directly to the future orientation of the present life and again not it's not just those of israel that are going to um you know uh live in the kingdom and and uh, and receive reward and, and all this all those sort of thing all those who who trust um in the lord are going 
um, to be there in, in one way or another. So this psalm speaks of living in this present life, striving toward conformity to Christ, living righteously, living uprightly, living justly, living generously, um, all of these things that are mentioned, living that way now because the blessings of the Lord. Not have, don't have to fear um, the bad news. We don't have to be driven to despair over, and, and there's plenty of bad news. I mean, there's plenty of bad news around us all the time. It's just a matter of, you know, what you don't want to listen to. You know, you just, it's just almost endless, it seems. So there's plenty of bad news, but not being tossed back and forth, not being driven to despair because of those things, but trusting in God, realizing that our hopes will not be disappointed. Jesus may return in our lifetimes. We don't know. Um, we don't know exactly when he's going to come back. That's in the hands of the Father. Um, but we, we live knowing that the lives that we live now and those things that we do for the, for the glory of his name, they're not wasted, no matter no matter that we don't receive recognition for them, um, no matter that you know no one's there to take our picture and put up a plaque saying that we did this on such and such a date, no matter that, that maybe even our good efforts seem to be rewarded with evil, um, no matter about all of this, th- those things are not wasted, they're not uh, worthless, they're not useless, and, and the hopes that we have that there is real everlasting life beyond this present life will not be disappointed whereas on the other hand we're told that the wicked their desires their their hopes are going to perish their their desires and 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 what they want and what they're looking for all these things are going to go away